There's a lot of wallets that I follow, you know, started to have a loose idea in my brain of like, oh, when, you know, Pranksy or G Money or, you know, Von Mises is, you know, minting one or two things or buying a couple of them secondary versus the bottom 3% of floor, that's a much bigger signaling of what someone that, you know, I respect and, you know, watch is or how they're treating a project, then I'll be way more on my like, I need to find out what this is right now. Welcome to the NFT Now podcast. Every Wednesday, we speak with trailblazing artists, collectors, and technologists about how NFTs are redefining the creative economy and how you can be a part. I'm Sam Heisel. I'm Alejandro Navia. And I'm Matt Medved. And we're on a mission to empower the creators of culture. Welcome to the show. Matt, what's happening, man? How you doing? Who we got lined up? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Really excited about this episode. We have got OXB1. One of the top NFT collectors came in from the DeFi space and sort of really planted his flag in NFTs. And we've got Tom Capone, a talent agent at CAA, who's spearheading a lot of their NFT initiatives. Uh, They just signed a partnership, and I'm excited to hear a bit more about that and what they have going on. Yeah, no, this was a fascinating episode and conversation. I mean, two legends, and uh, and definitely not Matt and I. We're just uh, aspiring. Um, in that vein, though, I, I think they both respectively have great purviews. Um, I think OXB One as as a collector, obviously, he's got a ton of exposures to to what's moving, what's happening in the space, um, and, and what are some of the innovative use cases and ways to really push the space forward. And then Tom um, with CAA, I mean, obviously CAA, very legendary kind of company. I mean, they represent and work with all sorts of different types of brands and verticals and entities, media, entertainment, talent, the music, long, long list. Um, so I, I think all of those industries I just mentioned are uh, in one way, shape or another being impacted by NFTs. And even if it hasn't been deeply penetrated now, it will be so for them to collectively have this exposure as to different movements and developments and be able to be proactive in pushing the space forward in these different ways was was really great. And to have open discourse on what that future looks like was amazing. Also, one thing, very excited for you guys to stick around towards the, the, the end of the episode. But uh, I mean, obviously, OXP1, one of the top collectors in the space, he does dive into some projects that he's excited about. As always, disclaimer, not financial advice, but uh, it's uh, good advice from a credible person. So very excited to dive in. Um, If you haven't already, definitely want to encourage you to check out our newsletter. You could sign up at nftnow.com. We simplify the market into actionable insights every single week. Um, But without any further ado, Tom Capone and OXB1. OXB1, Tom Capone. Really happy to have you on the NFT Now podcast. How's it going? Great. Thanks for having us, guys. Really excited to be here. These are great. How are you too? We're great. We're great. You know, gearing up for NFT NYC. It's going to be a busy week, but uh, we got a lot to talk about. Let's jump right in. OXP1, I'd like to start with you. I'd love to hear a bit more about the backstory on how you got into crypto and what led you to transitioning from DeFi into the NFT space. How I got into crypto was actually ETH first, unlike a lot of people, uh, mostly mining in 2016, uh, I'd heard of Bitcoin in 2013, unfortunately missed that boat. Spent a couple of years doing staking, then more DeFi, uh, as everyone knows. Around the time that OXB1 started really cranking out in August, September, you know, NFTs were really starting to, I guess, buzz, you know, buzz about a lot more. And I had a close friend who I'd met in 2017 in like the shitcoin game back then. And he had been super into NFTs and very, very passionate for years. 
had followed the market, maybe got into pumps a little late, um, early 2019, still early to the to the rest of us. And he came to me and he said, you know, what you're doing is great. These NFTs are definitely an investable asset class and an important piece of like portfolio allocation if we really go on a bull run. And this space is like heating up. He was even showing me things then where, you know, crypto punks were jumping from, you know, low ETH, single ETHs to double that in a week, month. And it just seemed like a good way to expand the uh, investing profile. Um, I soon after started to discover as things really heated up in like November, December, that this was going to be something more. And it became more of a mission, a journey, uh, a moniker, um, an interest of mine toward the end of the year. Um, you know, after we had been already operating in the NFT space for a few months. And I definitely, you know, maintain that now. I've, I've been, you know, so excited and surprised and just in awe of how, of, of how the NFT space has really exploded this year. And I think we'll forever remember 21 is like the year of NFTs, you know? So as, as we wound down, um, you know, our, our larger relationships at OXB1 and started doing PA investing and had time for things like photo, et cetera. I, of the group of us decided to focus more on NFTs and, you know, it's become like a deep, deep passion of mine, not just for the investing side, but because I think that, you know, we're fundamentally changing a lot of things, right? Whether it's provenance based stuff or, you know, bringing back to the old art world in, in terms of transfers, it's just, it's like, it's, it's awesome. This is the future. Even if it's not NFTs, we know today, NFTs are the future. Sorry for the rant. <laughs> no, this is this this is your forum to rant today, guys. In that vein, Tom, too, I'm I'm curious on on your side of the table. Like, I mean, we'll, we'll dive into your collaboration at a, at a deeper level, but even just to set the stage, what is the kind of what's how did CAA really uh, get into NFTs, and how did that whole department come together? Yeah, uh, it's a great question. Well, before we jump right into that, I just want to say what OXB One glossed over was that they are highly skilled at curating. NFTs. And what they've done with their portfolio of NFTs is quite impressive and uh, and really fun to have seen grown. Uh, so I didn't want that to go uncommented. Back to your question. Yeah, I'm very lucky to be at a company that looks at where the puck is going and not where it currently is. That's cliche to say, perhaps in tech, but it, it is the truth. And fortunately, a lot of that tech disruption falls to the center of media and entertainment, which is the perfect, you know, NFTs are the perfect expression of that. So about 10 months ago, having the foresight, having the resources that we do, we came together and said, this is probably going to be a serious business, a serious industry. We should start strategizing how we interact with this. Obviously, we're a client first business. We need to have an answer when a client says, how do I enter the NFT space? And now we confidently can advise them in that area, which just adds to our 360 approach and our, I, I can go on on that. But um, I would say that's the answer. We're very excited to agree with OXB1. We're confident that NFTs are the future. I personally believe that this first expression where art is the NFT, that that might just be the first expression of this whole industry, but there will be many applications, uh, hopefully that the masses can adopt and not just a certain portion of, of well-capitalized collectors. I just had an amazing thought 
there's this future where like Manifold and CAA are like one hybrid company and they just service everyone's needs for both real world representation, smart contract representation, and they just custom make you things. It's like a custominc.com, but for, for intellectual property. Perhaps we'll offline about that one. <laughs> right. That's a new, that's a new startup. Sorry. That's out of the uh, CAA um, realm. Uh, no, I absolutely love that. No, and I think to even just to further kind of highlight what you just mentioned, Tom, too, I mean, just kind of paying attention, not only to developing a department internally around NFTs, but even just looking at how the NFT market continues to evolve past what's kind of been the this like breakout iteration of the, the application of the tech. In that vein, I'd like to, I mean, you mentioned advising clients. I know you're signing, working with collectors, um, other projects, like how did how is the department structured? What's the core function? Obviously, you have a, a massive portfolio of other non kind of like natively NFT or natively crypto talent. Like, how does how does the department function? What are the kind of core offerings there? Sure, uh, it's a big question, but at the root of the answer is we're servicing our clients, and whether that be pre existing clients that don't come from the NFT world, we we now have an answer for them. We've spent the last ten months researching, meeting with people, getting informed and educated, cramming as much data and information into our days as possible to craft that advisory. Uh, strategy for our clients. So that's that's the first answer. Second answer is there is undoubtedly a ton of emerging talent that NFTs have given a platform to. So if you think about uh, the, the countless artists that we're each fans of, we wouldn't have we probably wouldn't have known their names or their work had NFTs not existed. So this is a very exciting opportunity for us uh, to work with storytellers, artists, and help them maximize all of their opportunities given the resources of the building. Question for, for OX, you know, I, I know you've been active in the NFT space for, for a while, but I feel like you kind of really planted your flag um, when you bought that Mutant Ape number 4849 for 350 ETH. Um, what motivated that purchase? And, and now that you're building a brand around it, um, you know, what kind of factors played into that decision? There were a few. Uh, it was kind of a, a snapshot the morning after like a gut, a gut decision the morning after uh, mutant apes dropped. Um, it just seemed, first of all, I was definitely a bit salty that I missed the first apes trend. Um, I, you know, was definitely into punks on the earlier side of the, you know, craziness in the last 12 months, but apes, like even, even 10, 20 X above mint, when I really started looking at them, I, I don't know why I didn't pull the trigger. Obviously I have some now they've become like, completely iconic in many different ways, you know, even beyond crypto. And I missed that. And it, it definitely left a pit in my stomach. That being said, there was this guy that I was like looking at the distribution. I minted a, a couple decent mutants, actually one of them, you know, Tom just awesomely made a, uh, a deal on for us, which will be announced soon. But um, in any case, I saw this collection and I saw the distribution and I had been really toying with buying a gold ape, like leading up to the mutant drop. And we saw the, that the megas were way, way more rare than I think anyone expected, but also on an order of magnitude different than the golds. And I was like, okay, mutants, probably never going to be apes, maybe similar on a level one day um, or accepted as almost equals. Uh, these, you know, 12, 14 megas are, are so rare and they look really cool. 
Uh, and I had just been looking at, I think, the eight that had been revealed at that point and was like, you know, this is going to be amazing. I need to, you know, if I'm zero XP one, I, I need to, I need to have one of these. So this guy's found this guy on Twitter. He's acting a little strange for a scammer, you know, like so strange that he's kind of definitely real. Um, so I reached out to him and I was kind of lucky. He wasn't a big NFT guy. He was just a coder from the UK who this is like the third thing he ever minted was like, yeah, I minted four and this was one of them. And I was like, dude, that's amazing. I'm really happy for you. You know, I hear you want to sell. Let's make a deal. And there was no basis, obviously. But, you know, he, for him, it came down to a house for him and his wife. And for me, it was a number that seemed reasonable given where golds were, where I thought the hype, you know, was going to go. And, you know, I also figured I, I needed a PFP. I had never had a PFP, you know, it was King Arthur from day one. So it seemed like all the, all the right things lined up. Didn't want to do it for 300. I said 333 because everyone knows I like numbers. That didn't rub him the right way. He's like, I need to talk to my wife. I don't know if we really want to move yet. And I said, 350 to do it right now. And I'm talking to the wife. And he, he said yes. So that day the trade was made. We both agreed to just do it online as a private sale. So, um, you know, it would just be safest, and which I encourage lots of people to do. Most people don't know that OpenSea uh, doesn't charge their transaction fee for private sales. Um, you can just use it as escrow. Um, and yeah, like that was the beginning of the journey. And it definitely brought a lot more attention, I think, than I believed it would. But I was happily surprised that, you know, a semi-media stunt really did a lot more for us than it just being that, you know, it was a, it was, it was something really awesome. And we're, we're very humbled by like the reception, I think that we've gotten from the community. And also I think it, it's helpful to have very vocal people that kind of come from a different, you know, walk of life uh, in both the crypto and NFT spaces, you know, like a lot of people these days, I feel like are crypto people having too much, uh, or think that they know too much about the NFT space or NFT people who are super passionate, but like don't understand certain pieces of like the crypto space. So that's like a barrier. And I don't know, I feel like in terms of being a voice for both communities, you know, I can serve um, some beneficial purpose to our ecosystem. Well, I, I don't want to avoid or, or not recognize your talent for picking out and your vision for picking out the demon mutant ape specifically. Is when we first met, you, you described the vision that you had for, for this NFT, and you described for the aesthetic reasons that made it a compelling piece of art and, and an NFT for you. So I, I think that is speaks to your talent, speaks to your skill and your eye and what you have become known to be very good at. Um, but I, I don't think we should gloss over that. That was really cool when, when we first met. No, I appreciate it. Yeah, I like, I definitely, you're right. I, thinking back, I made the decision uh, that I wanted a mega before picking that one or making that deal. Um, I actually talked to the first owner of the electricity one and uh, and the radioactive guy on the day. And I think that the radioactive guy and I basically made a deal. And then this thing popped up on Twitter with the demon. And I was like, oh, that's the mega I need. Um, so I do appreciate that. I think I have 
relatively decent eye. We were very early in art blocks, which blew up way after we got involved. But, you know, there are a lot of good, you know, collectors there as well. Um, I just, yeah, I, I honestly started collecting what first spoke to me. And now uh, um, things got very busy in the PFP space. And I think I'm more onto photography now. But that, I guess, we can save for the end of what the future of NFTs that I see is. But... Sure. No, and, and I think, you know, I, I think that segues really nat natural, actually, because I think, you know, it seems like that purchase really set the stage for the collaboration and partnership between between you two. So I'd love to hear a bit about how how that partnership did come about. Um, how did you two link up and where are you taking it? Yeah, well, I'll take the first part and then I'll let OXP1 expound on the vision and, and what the possible future holds. But uh, we met very serendipitously in line uh, for an event during mainnet. We were both in town for the conference. A friend, a, a mutual friend had reached out to both of us and said, hey, I'm attending this party. You guys should come. When we arrived there pretty much at the same time, we stood in line and we're like introducing ourselves. And we immediately realized we had uh, either been set up uh, through this mutual friend or fate had, had kind of brought us together. But the opportunity and the excitement was pretty immediate, I think, for both of us. And uh, yeah, I, I definitely won't forget that throughout my career. It was a really great chance meeting, I think. Definitely. Definitely. Don't sell yourself short, Tom. Um, yeah, I uh, basically what Tom said, I will color that a bit with saying that in the week or so leading up, to um, in the week or so leading up to us meeting, there were definitely a few things that I had been discussing with people specifically around like mutant ape value and cool cats and, you know, cell phone IP and monetizing it. Um, you know, I had heard rumors about the Jenkins stuff, but also, you know, there was just like a lot of talk for those couple weeks around um, IP. I think that maybe it was due to certain copycat projects, but, you know, I remember me and my friends talking about how are people that like, what's uh, people own this IP. Great. How are we gonna, like, what does that mean for anyone? How does that change the value of these NFTs that come with some IP ownership? I know people have read on Twitter. I have like very strong feelings on this, but regardless, you know, there is something to be said for the difference between an NFT where you quote unquote, do I own the IP or you don't. And then what that means for you as a collector or creative. And I was just in a very, like, I guess, creative mood that week. And I, you know, looked at Tom and I was like, we need to get, you know, like the NFT images that we can everywhere. And then I think it was actually Cool Cats first. I was like, you know how like Louis Vuitton had done Hello Kitty or Murakami or something like little caricatures on bags. Like, I want to see Cool Cats all over bags. Like, they want Cool Cats all over bags. And, you know, we want to... We want a mutant apes, you know, cartoon like Family Guy. And we want, you know, blah, blah, like blah. And just to start to build something around this, you know, IP that's been building up that is, you know, by the, you know, creator's own, you know, wand of fate, they they wanted to people to utilize in some way, shape, or form, right? And I don't know, I view that as just general progress in showing the world how crypto can infiltrate every part of their lives. <laughs> um, and also like, you know, just the next evolution of if there's a if there's any reason, we'll find a way, right? So we started just kind of jamming on all this stuff and whether it was about, um, 
you know, helping big brands, you know, curate NFT stuff if that's what they're into, or uh, specifically licensing um, properties from the portfolio that you know were licensable. Um, or actually, really, there's one thing we're working on in very different than the Jenkins stuff, but along the same vein of you know using the characters to create some type of story, whether that be in print, in you know video, animation, etc. And I think that that's really cool. You know. All apes rise together, right? Very, very true. And again, not to gloss over this, I, I think you should be taking more credit. We were excited by the initial ideas like, oh, this should be with a luxury brand. This IP should be on as many things as possible. But we see opportunities all throughout the building, all throughout the, the different areas of entertainment that we have you know, expertise in. Everyone is really excited about the properties that OXB1 owns uh, and the opportunities we have to, to work with them and really bring them to the next level. And to, to OXB1's point on brands and entering the space, I think we've seen some brands thoughtfully and tastefully dip their toe in this community. For commercial purposes, they definitely want to be in this business. I think the inevitability of NFTs will bring every brand, big and small, uh, domestic, international, will have an NFT presence. The smart ones looking to gain community support, looking to gain you know, real credibility and prove that they've researched and understand what this movement really is, uh, will look to some of the iconic NFT properties like the ones that OXB1 owns for, for help and guidance along the way. Uh, I was going to say, and the reason that you know brands aside of, you know, from the commercial reasons of wanting to dip their toes in. I just want to remind everyone, I, I honestly think about this, like whenever I have a conversation about brands in the NFT space or like tradition or traditional, you know, companies, uh, my favorite quote of the year really is uh, one of G money's back uh, right after visa did their announcement. Um, he said that, you know, visa is showing companies around the globe that they're, marketing spend and all the different categories that encompasses can for one time in history or for the first time in history not be a sunk cost it is like the most fundamental like for people that understand both business and creativity or art on any level it's like the most fundamental change in i'd say like you know a major uh you know uh cash flow statement like viewing in business in the last in decades you know wow we can like solve marketing dollars by making an investment that we get that you know hopefully or most likely will maintain asset you know shareholder equity value that's that's insane you know like it's just it's mind-boggling that what we call marketing or the expense that is influence can be something that based on the ownership of an asset is mind bending, you know, and I saying it like that almost makes me think that um, without even knowing it, buying the mutant did that for me and my team in a very real way. You know, it, it's kind of that same example where you can't, it, there's no amount of marketing or tweeting or whatever it is that you can do to get the eyeballs uh, attention respect whatever you want to call it from a community that you're looking to gain that from right like it's it's almost like a very real way of of a real world example of 
of how the real world works. You know, let's not let companies spend crazy marketing dollars on focus groups and other like, you know, ridiculous bullshit that they do. Buy some NFTs, incorporate, engage with your customer base, actually find out about them, right? And and look at what happens. Like how many crypto people were like, fuck it, Visa, I'm in. I hear about all your crypto cards. It sketches me out, but you know what? They've been around long enough. You bought an ape. You, I'll I'll try your crypto cards. You know, I, I just I I I've got that didn't happen to me specifically, but I've got to believe that, that happened to so many of my friends, and that makes me excited. Makes me like love Visa, even if I'm not their customer because of it. You know, like I see that. I see that connection, and I've got to believe that other companies will be as you know creative and innovative as they were. You know, because it really does something extra. And that's where all companies, I think, need to be these days. I think uh, an important thing you touched on is that marketing can now be an asset. So it's not it's not like you're shooting a commercial or putting up a billboard. It's up for a few months. It is effective. There is data to support you know, the ROI on that investment. But at the end of the season, that gets taken down, put on the shelf, and no one sees it again. With NFTs, whether it's Visa buying a punk or another brand creating their own NFTs, that marketing is now an asset where Very true. Five, 10, 20 years from now, it, it is not a sunk cost. It's an investment in the community, investment in their future. And that's what's most exciting about brand participation in the NFT space to me personally. Yeah, no, I absolutely love that. Um no, and I think you guys both have very unique purviews uh, on the collector side, seeing all the projects and even beyond just a collector, right? Really just looking to find really interesting ways to to create new value within your collection, right? And then, I mean, Tom too, obviously, like, I mean, CAA, I mean, touches so many different industries and verticals, but definitely is a lot of roots in like media and entertainment and talent. Um so I'm I'm curious from like the to to dive deeper in because I know we just want to deep on kind of the the IP implication rights and what it what it can mean to actually own and have commercial usage rights on a, on a specific piece or project that you own and now have the the freedom to create a world and potentially a little franchise around that like I'm I'm curious from your guys' perspective what are other just going back to the first thing we were saying too like the the initial iteration in NFTs right now is kind of like what's booming at least is like art collectibles right we're starting to see more movement towards actual like true community and access and innovation there kind of from collectibles to community um but i think what we're getting to with regards to like ip and and create it's creating a massive shift in media and entertainment so i'm curious from your perspective beyond some of the stuff you just mentioned what do you see as other breakout applications and use cases as it pertains to kind of media and entertainment ip and usage uh, that's a big question. I mean, this could, I can imagine a world in which media rights are bought and sold on the blockchain. I can imagine a world in which apps like, like MoviePass, I, I don't know if you've ever used MoviePass. There was a glorious year when you could pay 20 bucks a month and go see an unlimited amount of movies. Uh, that time has passed, but there's, it enabled you to log every film that you went to see in theaters. If you have that on the blockchain and have a history and can, can use the applications that way. I, I think it will reach the masses more quickly than we expect. And if we're able to onboard uh, with less friction than there currently is, then we're gonna see some really exciting 
crazy things that we can't even predict. So like right now, walking my parents through the process of downloading a wallet and opening a Coinbase account or whatever the preferred exchange is, is it still takes some time and has a lot of questions. But for Hollywood specifically, when that code is cracked, it's going to unleash a whole world of creativity, interactivity, community building. And it, I'll, I'll leave it at that. I love that. My, my thoughts would be, I mean, if you like some direct applications that I think are coming, I think I've been really liking uh, the artists that have been doing their concert tickets digitally as NFTs. So you get like, depending on your ticket level, you also get a different level of their NFT. I think that that's not that, you know, big shows don't sell out already, but I just like that. It's kind of, um, it's a PO app and an actual ticket in one, you know? Uh, and you know, then you also can have like a record of all your concert tickets. I used to collect all of my concert tickets, um, you know, with, with crazy OCD level, like, you know, collecting standards and made boards and just love to remember all the shows I'd ever been to. Um, no, no surprise that you've gone this deep into NFTs then. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I've always, I've always been a collector of some kind. Um, but yeah, I <clears throat> I think that there's also uh, web 4.0 media applications here that have to do with uh, user profiling and the actual like curation of I don't know I don't maybe directed advertisements or like pop up type things in a web three environment where you know companies can start to monetize blockchain data from like a, the way that people do. Um, like data mining for profiling people uh, based on the types of transactions that they do specifically in the NFT space. Also like, you know, DeFi, TradFi, but, you know, more specifically, like what types of NFT collections you have tells a lot about who you are and what shit can be marketed to, you know, or what shit you might find interesting, right? And so even like completely anonymous data sets about what, you know, random people with different addresses are are into and algorithms around that, um, you know, qualifications, quantifications around that data, I think is incredibly valuable and will lead to a whole host of, you know, other innovation applications where really, I mean, my wallets tell a lot about me and all like, and that goes for publicly known ones and otherwise. And some of them are hard to read. Like it was used for one purpose, wouldn't know anything from that. Others, like, you know, there's a few that are like the ones that you use for your everyday stuff. And, you know, people that are deep into into crypto definitely, you know, can on some level do this uh, with their friends' accounts or people that they follow and see the types of or the type of person that they are, right? What their interests are, what um, what turns them on. And if someone like sees me collecting mad, you know, you know, waifu version twos, they better be like their marketing dollars are, you know, best spent marketing me some waifu stuff, right? Like, let's be honest. <laughs> that aside, um, I do think that like, we'll see a lot of applications that go kind of in this, you know, kind of mashup of digital identity and kind of a different form of advertising or marketing or like interest-based uh, uh, display pinging. And then, uh, I just personally feel that the next, uh, I don't know if this is interesting, but the next iteration of things is all about digital photography. 
or like photography NFTs. And I think that that has to do with like this oversaturation of things with like properties, even though we all love them with apes, with punks, with art blocks, like with anything, everything's about properties now, right? It's not even aesthetic, aesthetic, how, how aesthetically pleasing is this piece? Is there even a frame of mind around what respected, you know, uh, art collectors or, you know, just people think about these pieces past their properties, right? And I think the answer is generally no, maybe a little more yes than six months ago, but that's like been all lost on us. We, all the, you know, qualitative um, uh, beauty and appreciation of whatever it is that our society has decided is art, which is so many freaking things, it's insane, uh, and rightfully so. Um, you know, like we need to come back to a world where there's discourse and discussion and fostering of ideas around what, you know, schools of thought there are on digital mediums of art and different, you know, forms of art that happen to be on blockchain, right? And as we've evolved, I think we'll like, uh, what do you call it? We'll like slingshot back to this world of hyper um, sensitivity to what are the qualitative components of this piece? And the reason I say photography is that, I mean, I'm sure you could do a very interesting hybrid of like properties based on a series of photographs, right? Um, but I really think it's more about like, hey, here's someone that released a series of a hundred or a thousand photographs. Um, they're all beautiful. It's a famous photographer. What makes one worth more than the other, right? It's history. It's you know, provenance, it's, you know, significance in whatever the people say it is. And I think that like, that is the next theme that we're going to see in the crypto art space. Uh, sorry, this is like super tangential now, this area of collecting around things that quote unquote, aren't collectible, which don't have properties predefined for you, you know, like, I think that the, that the cultural significance and kind of society around what is, you know, high end art, or what is uh, a specific category or school of thought on art. What are the big pieces in that collection? Why are those the big pieces in that collection? Like that stuff needs to be um, more cultured out, I think. And that's, we're going to see this like shift toward, oh, like PFP projects are 1.0 because you know what's rare, right? Like, you know what the rarity is. It's, it's so much more rare if there's no properties to say what is rare, right? Everything can look rare. And I just, um, yeah, I just think that we're going in that direction. And photography is what I look to as this is really going to kind of spearhead that um, evolution. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a really great point. Um, you know, that natural evolution from, you know, everything being spelled out with generative projects and rarity traits to having to have that keen eye as a collector, having to have that keen eye as someone who understands, um, you know, the significance and the provenance and all of these factors that have, you know, kind of dictated value uh, for for centuries in in music art and culture, um, and I'd love to to dig a bit more to into your strategy as a collector. I think what you said about uh, wallets telling telling uh, you know telling a lot about someone is is really on point. Um, obviously, not financial advice or anything like that. But what do you look for in a project like before you invest in it? What is your sort of strategy and approach as a collector? So unless I see something just naturally like come across it in a group or like a telegram or discord or just because friends are talking which i would say is like not often when things are still minting you know but if i see something and like it i'll usually get a few because 
you know, it's just <laughs> bad business not to, right? Especially at this point in the game. But for the most part, um, I'm not minting much anymore. I'm either buying secondary soon after mint because I don't want to deal with gas wars, or I'm, you know, finding something in the first couple weeks after it's come out. Um, and what I really try and look at is, I mean, from an actual metrics perspective, I think that one of the most important metrics to look at, uh, which I know most people feel is the case, is a relative item distribution to number of holders. Um, obviously, the closer you can get to one, just like the naturally stronger that uh, community of people is going to be, it's usually larger when it comes to the large scale projects. And that just is very important for you know continuity of bringing more interest and eyeballs to the project over time from like a exponential spherical you know growth perspective like the more people that know touch other people that touch other people um past that i i look at signaling i guess um signaling of the people that i know and trust um there's a lot of wallets that i follow um and i kind of have you know started to have a loose idea in my brain of like oh when you know Pranksy or G Money or you know Von Mises is you know minting one or two things or buying a couple of them secondary versus you know running through uh, you know the bottom three percent of floor. That's a much bigger signaling of what someone that you know I respect and you know watch is or how they're treating a project. Then I'll be way more on my like I need to find out what this is right now and figure out you know why they're so into it. And I think that this also, you know, goes to how culture works, you know, like I, it's about, um, there, there's very few things at this point that I'm looking to like take real, you know, dice rolls on, um, unless they're things that I just love, like, uh, what was the most recent one? Like monarchs, like I minted two on two wallets. It was like one per wallet. And then I went and bought like 10, like immediately secondary and paid like three X over what ended up being the floor. But I was just like, I love these. They're super limited. They look cool. Like I want more. And that was, you know, like that was a strong gut feeling and maybe it'll work out. Maybe it won't. Um, but I think that a combination of following the people whose like eyes and investment acumen and, you know, collectors mindset, you, you know, already follow and respect. And it's, eh, it's also about kind of, amalgamating all the data that you're being driven, you know, every hour of every day, we all do it. We're all, you know, in a gazillion discords, a gazillion telegrams, always talking to friends, you know, crypto uh, is very asynchronous, you know, so we're always getting little tidbits of information from so many different sources. And I do my best with the people that I trust to amalgamate that and, you know, figure out where we think the, a certain series or, or piece um, or set of pieces is going to sit with the market and, you know, what it means for us. And that's the most, the most important thing at the end is like, you know, if we have very high conviction in something, but we don't see that market signaling there and, you know, we have to be super comfortable with, you know, potentially never getting out of it or a very long hold time or knowing that we might have to, you know, help organically grow a, a community and hope that it works out on our own. And that's a much different type of, like, um, uh, you know, part of the investment decision-making process or the, the art spend decision-making process than you'd otherwise think, because, you know, you can like a couple pieces of any collection, but if you really want to be, you know, trading NFTs, uh, picking them, 
not even not flipping, but really like being a, a trader, a collector of you know, a couple weeks to couple months hold on different things. Like a lot of the big guys we follow these days are, you know, you really have to, every decision has to be so many factors and specifically, you know, where your risk reward is, you know, because I think that the time where people were just flipping everything and their mothers is over for sure. Totally. Totally. And I know you mentioned Monarchs. Uh, what are a couple other, maybe two, two projects that you're, that you're excited about uh, going forward? Oh, XP1 Alpha. Let's get it. Ooh, like just, okay. So, so I really like photography, right? I don't own any, uh, where my vans go, but I really love that stuff. I really love Julia Pacino. Um, she's released two sets of things. I think at this point, um, open sea storefront. And then I think that Chi Modu is like the ultimate sleeper. I really do. Like if you guys don't know this story, it is freaking insane. Can I tell the story quickly? I, I, I do know the story, but, but our, our listeners okay. may not. So please do tell it. Okay. So very, very famous, well-respected, um, you know, uh, hip hop photographer from the early nineties, I would say, um, had also done other photography work, but what most well known for taking iconic images of, you know, Biggie world trade center, a bunch of different ones of Tupac, um, you know, uh, Snoop Dogg, uh, Wu-Tang clan, Iceman, you know, like all the sp individual, you know, Wu-Tang guys, um, a bunch of stuff like that, uh, magazine covers, uh, billboards, like really famous photos. Finally, after many years of like his friends asking, apparently, uh, started to mint some of these iconic photos into NFTs in April. Um, I think that he had friends that had been in NFTs since like, you know, early 2020. And finally, got there like, a month or two after he mints like, I don't know, it's probably 20 something different pieces, some of them limited to 100, some of them limited to 25. I think there's like two or three one of ones, maybe. But you know, like literally like a month after he mints these things, finally gets into it, is just like, you know, taking some ownership of his, um, you know, rareable and open sea like wallet pages dies tragically. And he's like released 20 of the photos that he chose, you know, as his first NFTs kind of had planned this whole long, I'm going to start digitizing, you know, the works that I love. And he just is gone now. And, you know, he has this one set of NFTs that he released, some of the most iconic people in our music and entertainment industry. And like, you know, sure, he fair launched them. Uh, I like fair launches. Fair launched them at like 0 0.01. Some of them are 0 0.1, some of them are 1, some of them are 5 ETH. But, you know, these photographs just like they have that story, you know, like not only is it cool art of like Tupac or Snoop Dogg back in like, you know, 94 on, you know, some LA Boulevard, like rolling a blunt. It's also this like crazy story of how this artist who only made these set of photos and then passed away, like this is his only like thing on blockchain ever. And like, you know, I just, I don't know. I feel like he'll be immortalized in history and I just love Chimodu. I think it's great. I like knew his photographs before I knew his name from when I was a kid. And then a friend of mine showed me this months ago, um, like months and months and months ago uh, before any of them were above one ETH. And was like, it, I was just like, oh my God, these are going to be, if NFTs become anything in the future, these are going to be huge. This is like in May, like the month after he passed away. I think it was, he passed away in late April um, or it might've been June and it was a month before, but either way, I was just really taken by this story and 
you know, that moved me. It, it really said to my gut, like, this is, this is not only investable art, this is the most investable story I've heard in NFT art since CryptoPunks. Um, I'm in. Uh, and it's been amazing. I haven't sold one chi. Um, like, you know, don't need to. Uh, I just think it's super interesting. Um, and yeah, uh, I, yeah, so those three, those three photograph photographers, photograph collections, um, I think are things that I'm looking at and really liking. I also really like hidden in noise. I know that people were mad about that guy that bought it, but I still bought like 20. Those are, um, those are very cool. Yeah. Uh, I, I was, I think I sat at my computer for 90 minutes. I spent too much. ETH. it was actually kind of, I was annoyed at myself after, but I couldn't stop because I was just like letting them play and then restart and really trying to decide like which one I liked because the properties were all still new trait. And I was like, this is remember what I was saying before about no traits. I was like, this is perfect. I don't want to know what's rare. I want to pick. And then maybe like, even if they're not rare, like people will still like this one. I ended up buying like, oh, like, you know, 20 something of them. Um, yeah. Yeah. We'll see. Really appreciate. I mean, I, I love all just the, the stories too. And just kind of one testament too. just a, a lot of great products these days is a lot of the, the backstory and storytelling around it. So thanks for sharing all that. I think as no we kind of work in, and come towards a close, um, I'm curious, like of what you guys are willing to share, what, what are you what are some upcoming developments or even just, I guess, more generally, if, if necessary, uh, what are kind of kind of just thematic plays or interesting opportunities that you're really excited about in the space, both via your partnership and then Tom, I mean, with CAA. I'll say on our partnership as broadly and vaguely as possible, one of OXB1's NFTs will be very visible, probably on everyone's phone in the next uh, year. And, and you will see the NFTs that he owns uh, prominently displayed in, in different places. So we're really excited about that partnership and the visibility that that will give to the art, the artist, the collector, and just the movement in general. Um, and yet, what are you looking for specifically from a, a broader CAA perspective? I don't want to miss the question here. Yeah, I guess like what um, excites you and how, do, how does the department plan to evolve its, its offerings and how you work and support clients? Yeah, uh, we're excited to have celebrities and the clients that existed, you know, before the NFT world exploded. We're excited to see those folks step in uh, more prominently into the space thoughtfully, uh, clearly with, you know, artistic intentions. I think that will be really exciting for everyone. And as I said earlier, I think we're most excited for this community becoming more accessible to the everyday person. I think right now there are still pretty tremendous barriers to entry, whether it's just the user interface or having to explain to a parent, cousin, or neighbor, you know, what is exactly going on. I think once that hurdle is surpassed, uh, this is one of the most exciting things to happen in in my lifetime yeah man all, all those exciting developments i mean spot on i think that the space and what you guys are doing truly incredible i mean i'm curious i think when it comes to like owners of different projects like how do you foresee this potentially influencing and impacting like people that might be holders and actually on the kind of the community and consumer end as well uh great question so 
What I think is going to happen is big content distributors from the traditional media world looking to enter this space are probably going to look toward the communities that have very vocal, happy fan base. So let's take our client, Micah Johnson, for example, the creator of Aku. His content is very uplifting, positive, optimistic, hopeful, etc. And his token holders feel the same way and it seem to enjoy that type of content. So it's not difficult to imagine a world in which a traditional media distributor is now saying, hey, Micah, we know you've got these fans. We actually don't have the infrastructure to distribute content to them. We want to enter the space. Can we use your network and access your network and effectively pay you to airdrop content that we've made to your token holders? So I think it, it rewards token holders for being a fan of a, a given IP. It enables to, more content to be distributed to people who are hopefully excited by it. And it rewards the community builders like Micah and our other artists and clients and everyone in this space who have worked so hard to build a community of fans. I'm, I'm pretty pumped about that. Fully agree. Fully agree. Yeah, I feel I feel we're all breaking breaking new ground new ground here, and that's why it's so exciting to be in the space. I'm very excited to see what both of you do over the months ahead. I want to thank you, OXB One, Tom Capone. Thanks so much for joining us on the NFT Now podcast, and we will stay tuned. Thanks. Peace. Peace. Be good, man. That was an awesome conversation. Really loved what they all had to say. I think they're through their partnership and and just kind of the the projects are touching. They they really are breaking trail for a lot of really innovative use cases and applications, especially as it pertains to IP, commercial rights usage, building franchises around various collections. Um, really excited to see the work they continue to do and i know they definitely had to kind of tiptoe around some of the developments on behalf of you our, our lovely listeners we did push as much as we respectively could and they did a fantastic job sharing tons of beautiful perspective what stood out to you matt yeah you know i just think it's really interesting we are clearly breaking new ground in the space and this is a great example of a relationship uh that, that couldn't have existed prior to nfts the idea of collectors as talent and the idea of collectors building their brands in partnership with major major uh, talent agencies it's a new thing and i'm here for it i'm excited to see how uh nfts not only uh redefine how talent uh, engages with their communities, but how all different industry actors uh, can represent and create value uh, across all the different verticals. And yeah, I mean, even even just the, it's, I like how you mentioned talent, bring that into the equation here, because even now it's like his mutant ape is talent. And now they're building right. franchise around that talent. So it's like uh, sick. It's absolutely, it's, it's lit, it's lit. And on that note, uh, so are you guys for tuning in, for supporting the cause. Don't hesitate to share, leave a review, uh, appreciate your support greatly, means the absolute world. So uh, keep on keeping on, we'll be back next week. Thank you all so much.